and this is the Perry Paysan Podcast. This month, I'm talking with Jocelyn Ho and Diana Liu, founders of the site Chop Chicks in Paris, a project documenting the best Asian restaurants across the city. We talked about their favorite spots in Paris for bentos, bubble tea, and beyond, as well as what happens if you cough in the metro during the coronavirus outbreak and happen to be of Asian descent. So let's hear about all that and more. Here's my chat with Jocelyn and Diana. So I'm with Jocelyn and Diana of Chop Chicks in Paris. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Thank you for having us. I really want to jump in and hear about some of your favorite places to eat in the city. But um, can we start off? I know you're both Americans in Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, you started this project together. Can you talk a little bit about how you met and how you decided that Chop Chicks in Paris had to happen? Um, so Diana and I are both Asian Americans from California. And um, I mean, what really brought us together is, you know, we didn't know each other from the U.S. We met here in Paris. But I think what we really connected over was the fact that we both grew up eating and loving Asian cuisine. And once we got here to Paris, we kind of, you know, experienced this lack or, you know, difficulty in finding places that tasted similar to what we had at home. Um, and then so we, when we met, we were kind of like, okay, we want to build a, a project around this to not only be able to find places that we've, we deem to be tasty and delicious, but also to create a resource for other people who are like us, other expats, or even tourists, and and mm-hmm. most you know recently like French people who would have an interest in learning more about Asian cuisine, or just find something that like you know is a taste that is familiar to them. Yeah, you know it's really um, it's really a project for for everybody. We really wanted to create something that brought people together. We actually found when we came here and you know started testing new restaurants that um, it's a like it's a flourishing food scene. Um, we think the Asian food here is really good and it definitely exists it's just like i think without finding a resource it's really difficult to know where to go at first i think it's really easy to eat not like fresh asian food or not authentic (laughs) asian food i'm saying that you know because it can be a common sight to see asian restaurants or like kind of traiteur what we see like a place maybe go grab lunch but it's not super fresh and it's kind of a mishmash of different asian cuisines i think yeah so there's probably some work to do also to sort of educate or maybe undo some bad experiences that people have had perhaps yeah it's Mm. true that um so the first time I came to Paris was 2013 um and it's true that yeah it's almost been 10 years and since then um the just the Asian food scene has really matured and also I found that um people's perception of Asian food has really shifted because like my friend who was in Paris like in in 2012 he um, mentioned that all of the people eating in in Asian restaurants were Asian tourists and now when you go into let's say certain restaurants on the Hussentin restaurants that used to be frequented only by other Asians now it's you know all locals it's it's all French so I think that um like interest among Asian food has grown um, at the same time as the offer has matured and expanded. And I'm glad that you brought up the Rue Saint-Anne neighborhood because there's a lot of choice there. Yeah, well, I mean, Rue Saint-Anne, I feel like outside of the 13th, the 13th, uh, is one of the oldest neighborhoods that were serving up 
Asian cuisine. Granted, you know, I've been here for three and a half years, so I cannot say that, you know, I've been here for decades. However, um, you know, when I was asking around when I first moved here, was, everyone says, oh, go to, you know, the Opera Pyramids neighborhood to find uh, good Asian food. And so mm -hmm. it's true. I go there like at least three times a week to yes. have lunch or dinner. <laughs> um, and some of our, well, some of my favorite spots personally um, for lunch are, are bento places. Two of my favorite ones are, one of them is a Taiwanese bento restaurant called uh, 37 mètres carrés in French, or 37 meters squared, which is used to refer to how big the restaurant is, but they've actually expanded since then and moved two doors down. It's on Rue Saint-Anne. So they serve a variety of different bento box flavors with like uh, salt and pepper chicken, which is common Taiwanese street food um, that's served in night markets in Taiwan. Uh, they have like braised pork, uh, beef, um, all, all different kinds of stuff. And it's super, super delicious. And of course they have it uh, with bubble tea too, as an option. Um, and then the other bento place that I really like is called Jujia. Uh, and it's Japanese bentos. And that one is has been around for longer, I think. And it's very, very popular with French locals in, in addition to the Asian community. Um, and what I really like about it is that it's it's delicious, but it's also affordable. Um, the bentos range from like 10, 50 to 13 euros, I think. That's an interesting point too. Like we're really getting a nice value, I think, for what you get as well when we're eating, like maybe in that neighborhood. If we're not mm. too expensive, you can have a really nice warm lunch. Um, it's true that that neighborhood is, you know, in like hundred like meter radius, mm -hmm. there's a lot of different bubble tea shops. Our favorites are um the alley, yeah. It's in it's in the same neighborhood and I think that bubble tea store was originally in Taiwan. Um so can you, could Asia? you like paint me a bubble tea picture here with maybe mm -hmm. describing what it is for people who don't know? What oh, yeah. is it made out of and what kind of flavors are, are we seeing on the menu if we go to the alley, mm. for example? Well, um, just very simply, bubble tea is a um, milk tea based drink. The most basic bubble tea is just black tea with milk. And well, then yeah. we'll add um, what makes it bubble tea is that um, you add tapioca pearls. And then, of course, that's the most like basic. But there's a lot of variations on this base recipe. So oolong tea, um, green tea, matcha, etc. And then also, um, you know, some people enjoy bubble tea without milk and with like more of a um, fruit base, although I personally don't prefer that. And I, I like it. <laughs> yeah. I oh, yeah. get mango green tea. Like it's like basically mango syrup. See, there's a variety of different toppings that you can put inside your beverage. And the most popular one is the, the pearls, the bubbles. But uh, other ones that are very popular, uh, especially for Asian people, is grass jelly is one of them. Which Ooh, is, what is, is that? Grass jelly is made from herbs. It's basically basically an herbal jelly, which oh. is slightly sweet, not not very, very sweet. Um, so it's vegan. And uh, there's also aloe vera, which they kind of turn into a sort of, again, chewy jelly texture. So the, the point here is that it's not just a beverage that you drink. The point is that there's things that you chew. And, you know, the people who love bubble milk tea often love it because there's this chewy texture that makes it fun and interesting to eat. What time and would you have that in the day if you were like in Taiwan or in a place any, where this any is? Any time of day for me. <laughs> so in, in Taiwan, what's really great about it is that things are often open like outside of normal meal time hours and like convenience stores are all open 24-7. And so I would say, yeah, should people eat like, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner? However, snacking is like whenever 
you want. Snack time is whenever. So if you want bubble milk tea, when the bubble milk tea shop is open is whenever you can go have it. Um, Okay, so if people should go to the alley if they want that. Are there any other spots you would recommend? There's that place, um, Liza, so L-A-I-Z-E. And um, it's, uh, yeah, it's located near Chatelet. And I think that um, that bubble tea shop really places an emphasis on, um, on ingredients that have been imported from Taiwan. And also um, they place a, um, yeah, so a emphasis on quality, authentic ingre- ingredients. They'll make things, um, their drinks from scratch instead of like using powders. I really like this place because you can also get um, some traditional Taiwanese desserts like um, pineapple cake. And like also different kinds of um, little Taiwanese desserts. So these are some nice spots to check out in central Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, but you had mentioned also before the 13th, there's a big Asian community in the 13th. Um, so I imagine there's plenty of restaurants to choose from there. Are there some mm-hmm. you'd like to share with us? Well, so actually I live in the 15th. So I, I want to talk a little bit about the 15th because, um, because I moved here from Boulogne before and in Boudin it was very difficult for me because there was there was like no good Asian cuisine options to be honest I think still today it's it's really lacking and so when when I moved I was like okay you know we got to move to arrondissement where there's a good amount of Asian food and perhaps even a supermarket for me to shop at Mm. and the 15th has been really really good for that for me because uh unofficially the 15th is sort of known as Koreatown yeah it's not official because if you go on google maps you don't see that the 15th is Koreatown Mm. however if you live here then you know that this is really where it's happening for the Korean community that's true um, there are a lot of Korean restaurants, Korean residents, and uh, just community here, um, which means that there's a lot of co- a higher concentration of Korean cuisine to enjoy. In the 15th, there's a mall called Bogrenel, and right around uh, that area, uh, especially on uh, Rue, Rue de Bogrenel, I think, there's a restaurant called Akaska that I really, really like. Right near Akaska, there's also a Kmart, which is a Korean supermarket chain. That's where I go to pick up all my groceries to make, you know, tapche, which is like, uh, not vermicelli, uh, potato glass noodles with vegetables. Um, I get my kimchi from there. Well, that was a question I wanted to ask, too, because we're speaking about places to go, but I think it's also important to include places to shop. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Kmart is the one that's closest to me. That's why mm-hmm. I go there. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that Kmart is a Korean-focused supermarket, so they actually have mostly Korean and Japanese ingredients. Um, so whenever I need things to make Chinese dishes or Taiwanese dishes, I have to go to Tong Frère, which is... Uh, also a chain of Chinese supermarkets yeah. that are based in the 13th. They have like enormous supermarkets there, but they also have a smaller location in the 15th as well. Near Georges Brasson, I think the park. I would say if you need anything for cooking your Asian cuisine, like Tang Frère on the 13th, will have the widest range of ingredients that you might be searching for to cook different types of Asian cuisine. Um, however, Kmart, um, I think there's like H-Mart that's right near Kmart. <laughs> I think it's funny how they all have these single letter names. Um, but yeah, those those have um, kind of like all the basic things that you would need for for cooking um, yeah. know, Japanese Korean cuisine or even Chinese cuisine. Um, I I would think like what I really lack from like Fonprix and Monoprix is they never sell good tofu. 
don't know. Uh, how yeah, and they never yeah. sell them green onion. Uh, yeah, yeah, like the types oh. of vegetables that you need to make mm-hmm. like yeah. main Chinese dishes or well, Asian dishes in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't you don't find the same vegetables in uh, Western supermarkets. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought up vegetables because I wanted to say I think one thing that a lot of Asian cuisine is super on point for that Paris has taken a little while to catch up on is like providing really interesting vegetarian options. Mm. French food is so meat forward, and I think even though there's increasingly um, more like French vegetarians. Uh, are there some that you think are really killing it at serving up like vegetarian options? Uh, yeah, well, I think you know, most of the places we've been have vegetarian options on the menu. You know, mm-hmm. of course, primarily the options have protein, like the meat in it. For all the places I think of, usually they have like a couple options on the menu that are that are like vegetable based or, you know, because tofu is such a kind of like a primary uh, base for what we eat. So, I mean, like, you know, for example, the bento places I mentioned earlier, like the Tonset Met Carré, uh, Duzia, they all have vegetarian bento options. Generally, Korean cuisine, I think, is a little bit, I think it's a little less vegetarian friendly because there's a lot of meat. Uh, they have bimimbap, uh, which is like the, the stone rice bowl that you can get without meat in it. But basically what it is is that the vegetarian option would be a dish that is generally cooked with meat, but then you take the meat out of it. Okay. Um, yeah. But there yeah. are a couple good vegan uh, Asian restaurants. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. If you want a Asian restaurant that's entirely vegetarian slash vegan, I quite like Inhien, T-I-E-N, H-I-A-N-G. And uh, yeah, it's in the 11th. Everything they sell there is um, vegetarian, vegan. So um, they have a lot of fake meat options. <laughs> I think that for vegetarians and vegans who want, you know, just a menu to, to want to be assured that they will be able to enjoy everything on the menu and, you know, to be a- able to enjoy authentic flavors of um, different Asian cuisines because this restaurant is also um, it's also like a mishmash of um, you know different Asian cuisines so yeah I think that this is a really this is a really good option uh, Tian, Tian Yang. I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. include everything in the show yeah. notes but of course people can also go to your website how are you sharing the information on your on your site and your different mm-hmm. platforms we use Instagram most frequently yeah. and mostly so it's almost like you know every day every other day when we personally go to restaurants we'll like share content about it doesn't necessarily i mean we're really active more on stories i think recently because it's more of like in the moment today for example i went to Tonset Met Carré for lunch and uh they're oh, so serving <laughs> beef noodle soup so then i i uh you know share it on the instagram stories so yeah definitely like instagram is where most people follow us they interact with us ask us questions about you know where can yeah. we try this type of cuisine yeah. or do you have any tips yeah. Um, for you know where I can take my friends or parents or whatever um, and uh, and the blog is definitely something like where when we have deeper thoughts about a restaurant like we go on there to kind of share like a post about it or an or another topic oftentimes related to like Asian culture whether it be um like food film etc then like we'll maybe um write an article and post it on the blog i'm glad that you mentioned that it's kind of you have a diverse range of topics that you address because i kind of wanted to segue into another one i can't end a conversation with experts on asian cuisine without talking about any negative effects that you've seen the coronavirus outbreak having on the local food scene i know i've heard a lot about chinatowns in different cities seeing a huge drop in business have you seen that in Paris? Um, yeah, we've definitely heard about that. Um, we did a series of posts just 
drawing attention to the issue and trying to um, educate people about it too um, because we noticed that the restaurant La Taverne de Zelle who posted on their social media accounts that they were receiving a lot of racist comments <laughs> online um, you know like related to the coronavirus um, and then Some other restaurateurs in Paris, they also, um, you know, they also chimed in and said that, you know, we've noticed a drop in business, etc. So, um, yeah, so we wanted to, you know, we wanted to draw attention to that and also just kind of dispel some, you know, understandable fears that people have, given the way that the virus has been spoken about in the media. Um, because a lot of people, we received comments. Um, so like after posting about how, you know, we feel that the coronavirus should not be um, an occasion for people to, an, an excuse mm -hmm. for people to express um, like disgust at Asian food or racism mm -hmm. towards Asian people. We received comments from people saying like, you know, yes, but I am um, afraid that if people who work in the restaurants came, um, returned to France over um, after spending the new year in China. I'm afraid that, um, you know, there could be cross-contamination or things like that. You know, I think it's really understandable that people are worried, you know, it's becoming a pandemic. So in this case, like we just replied to um, the commenter and we just said, you know, I think that um, we can trust the, mm -hmm. the French yeah. health system and the fact that, you know, the authorities have done a really good job of responding to the crisis and, um, you know, set in place me measures so that this, you know, so that this doesn't spread. I think that's something that's really important to us as well is to speak up about um, social political issues that affect the Asian community in Paris. So the coronavirus has definitely been one of them. Yeah. And, you know, it's always really nice to have this kind of dialogue with our followers because, yeah, like it's, Like, you know, it's important to put out um, accurate and re reasonable and like non-fear-mongling information. Of and, course, and to we, go eat Chinese food. Right. Eat yeah, Chinese like to not, food. yeah, to not yeah, have to, that. I mean, to here. just, you're right, you're right to, you know, it, I, I think that it's understandable that people are concerned because I think like if we were in a similar situation where it was reversed, like we would also be, you know, have, it's, it's human to, to be like, oh, okay, I see that this virus originated from this region on the earth and so you know when I eat this cuisine I'm afraid um but you know I think yeah like the biggest way to be able to you know fight back against this you know kind of misinformation is to first educate people that you know that's not how the virus is spread you know you don't get coronavirus from eating Chinese food you have to you know be in close contact with someone who is coughing or sneezing if they even have the virus Um, but yeah, so that's one thing, but then also just to, you know, let people understand, because I think at this kind of time, people, and I kind of think that comes in with the racism side, which is, you know, people, they just see someone Asian and then they assume instantly that, you know, they're sick. Yeah. It's horrible. And, oh, and oh, actually wow. it happened to me on the Metro today. Okay. I sneezed once and the late, and the old lady in front of me pulled her shirt, her oh scarf to cover god. her face. Oh my god. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, I'm really yeah. sorry. <laughs> I felt bad because, it you is, know. But it's also like cold <laughs> and flu season right exactly. now. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah exactly. Me. Also, like uh, yeah. everyone is getting sick. Yeah, like yeah, at my work, everybody is. Sick, I know. So I it's know. not just exactly. You know, yeah. So I, I feel it's 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 just what's what's sad is that I think especially for Asian people, I'm much more aware of like trying not to cough and sneeze in the metro because I'm afraid people will have like a paranoid oh, yeah. reaction towards me. So I'm literally sometimes I got a little itchy oh, throat and I already got to sneeze and I'm like, oh, God, you I don't want to start a riot <laughs> exactly, or something. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it's like in, in this way, it's, I think it's affecting anyone who is of, you know, Asian ethnicity. Um, but, but you know, luckily I, I personally have not gone through anything, you know, harassment or, or traumatic. Yeah. But, and you've been but, going to restaurants and you've been seeing people in the restaurants, like for you, yeah. based on or have you noticed yeah. that they're a little bit less busy yeah well I well just like uh, going to the restaurants or looking at, at them from the outside I haven't really noticed mm-hmm. but based on what um restaurateurs have said online there's um, a big struggle we, for them yeah I think depending we on the know that too yes because Kusan Tan the is too. in the middle of a large you know working district you know mm-hmm. so many different people from all parts of Paris go there to work However, in the uh, Association des Jeunes Chinoises de France, um, they shared some, uh, kind of a hashtag movement uh, run by the, the merchants and the mm-hmm. restaurateurs yeah. in the 13th that, mm-hmm. you know, they're having, they're feeling the struggle for okay. real, that there's a, there is a drop in business. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they've kind of banded together to show solidarity for one another and say, come and continue to support the businesses in the 13th, yeah. Chinese restaurants, Chinese businesses. Um, because I think for them, you know, they have to pay rent, they have to pay their employees. And every yeah. week, every day, that difficult. Espe- especially um, mm. given that this is coming right after uh, the strikes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. also affected all. All types of businesses. That's in interesting. Paris, it's so true. That makes for a long stretch. It's been a really yeah. 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 Okay. Well, call to arms, listeners. Follow Chopsticks in Paris. Find out where they're eating and go there and support your local amazing exactly restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you so much, Jocelyn and Diana, for for joining me today and sharing all your great addresses with us. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Emily. <laughs> Thanks so much to Jocelyn and Diana for taking the time to talk with me and sharing all these great spots for Asian food in Paris. I've included a list of their suggestions, as well as links to their social media platforms in the show notes for this episode. Be sure to follow them on Instagram for updates on their new discoveries and tried and true favorite spots to eat in the city. Thanks also to World Radio Paris for producing and distributing the podcast. And thanks as always to Ben Nero, who wrote and performed the podcast theme song and who also makes me oatmeal every morning. Most of all, thank you for listening. If you're a fan of this podcast, why not tell a friend about it or send some love with an iTunes review? I'm looking forward to bringing you another great interview next month on the Perry Paysan podcast. So tune in next time and I'll talk to you then. Thank you.